our past being redeemed or maybe our, our regrets that we've had being redeemed by the power of God. I figure all of us have got them because the Bible says we're all sinners. We're all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we kind of lumped into that. So I'm just going to assume that all of us have some past that we probably wish were not there or maybe some regrets, some, something we said. We could even have some regrets this past week of harsh word we said and we regretted that we said it. Uh, so it could be something simple, but how do we make peace with that? I want to begin by reading from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 43. I'll read verses 11 through 13, and then I'll read verses 18 and 19. So Isaiah 43, verse 11. This is God speaking. God says, I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I, and not some foreign God among you, you're my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, he causes us to go back and think back about ancient days, because he even says it, yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? But then God says in verse 18, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Making peace with the past and with our regrets. Sheila made reference to during children's time that today is Christ the King Sunday. If you get the 3D devotion that we send out, you already know I made reference to the fact that today being Christ the King Sunday, it means that it's the last Sunday in the Christian year. So the Christian calendar begins next Sunday. Tyler's going to preach the first Sunday of Advent. So Advent begins the Christian year next Sunday. And so here we are ending a Christian calendar year on this Christ the King Sunday. And then we'll start again next week, start the story again about God sent His Son as a baby walked on this earth, and so the Christian year will begin again. Well, sandwiched in between all of that is something on our American calendar called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. God's Word tells us to be thankful, but as I thought about all of that and all this happening this week, next week, and then Thanksgiving all in between, we cannot help but reflect. And sometimes reflection's good. Sometimes we think back of, how has it been on my journey with God and my Christian walk. It's a good thing to think about. How have I done? I got a new Christian year coming up. I'm still on the journey. I got to look ahead. I got to look forward. And then we've got these holidays coming up, which for some are whoopee. And others are, oh my, because of past things that come up during the holidays. Not for everybody, but for some, they're rough. Some have memories that someone's not there and they wish that they were. I struggle. So I wanted to talk about our past and regrets and, and looking forward because sometimes we can look back and maybe learn from it, but maybe the past should help us to look forward to the future. But continually dwelling on the past, something that we cannot change, if we keep doing it, it can become very unhealthy. And then Isaiah 
we just read that even when God was speaking, God mentions to recall that God is the God of ancient days. We read history. But then he says in verse 18, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. So what are we supposed to do? Do we reflect on ancient days or do we forget the former things? Which one is it? Or is it both? Because God mentioned both in here. He pulled them together. And so I want to suggest that yes, it is both. In fact, every time you read the Word of God, you read about history. You read about past things. But while at the same time, we look ahead to the future and God gives us things that we can live for today. So I, I, I do think it's both. God declares to us past things in order that we may trust Him for future things. So sometimes we see how others trusted God and they got through it. We learn from it. K. Arthur, K. Arthur once said, shake the dust from your past and move forward in His promises. We need to do that. Yet there is the struggle. I have regrets in my life. I've done some things that I regret. But I thank God there's a God of grace and there's a God of mercy so that I don't have to live that my life such that my regrets are going to control me right now. They don't. So I hear people say, well, I, I have no regrets. And praise the Lord. I, I want to doubt that with you. I would wrestle that with you whether or not you do because, again, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're told that. and so. But I think if we can say, I have no regrets, I want to suggest you're a believer. and You've allowed the Holy Spirit to pour out the loving grace of God on your life so that your regrets don't at least control you. Paul said these words in Philippians, the third chapter, verses 13 and 14. Paul said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Then he says, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So he's telling us there, the Holy Spirit led Paul to write this, that we must press on. To, uh, I've got to do this one thing. I've got to forget what is behind and Strain forward, but I want to ask you something. Do you think Paul had any regrets? I got to thinking about it as I read this passage a couple of weeks ago. And if you read very far into the book of Acts, church is beginning to start. Jesus Christ has ascended, and, and then it begins to tell us a story about the first martyr by the name of Stephen in the first few chapters of Acts. And then it tells us that there's one by the name of Saul who later would become Paul when he was converted. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he approved of having the Christians imprisoned. And he was even holding the clothes of the one that they were stoning by the name of Stephen. We have it in scriptures, the first martyr. And he was approving that. Watching Stephen be stoned to death. And saying amen to it. And then a few chapters, he has this encounter with the living God. He's converted. Of course, he's written through the power of God's Spirit, most of the New Testament. So I, I wonder if he had some regrets. I wonder if he ever thought about standing there watching Stephen be stoned to death. And yet he's writing, I've got 
I've got to take hold. I, I, I cannot keep remembering those things. I've got to forget what's behind. And so I think part of it just to have his own hurt. He had to, I got to go on. I've got to do what I can for Christ. I think perhaps maybe he did have some regrets. I'm sure he did. But he's just like you and I. We've got to decide we've got to move on. My grandmother, Beck, y'all know, y'all hear me quote. Keep on keeping on, son. She told me that a hundred times. Son, you just got to keep on keeping on. You know what? She's right. Some of you may remember the, the serenity prayer. Some of y'all quote the serenity prayer. I have it in my wallet. I quote it often. It's a great prayer. It was written by an American theologian and a philosopher by the name of Reinhold Niebuhr. He was of German descent. Wrote the prayer and wrote a lot of the books and philosophized during early 20s and 30s and so forth, the Holocaust, World War II. But even his own admission, if you read some from Reinhold Niebuhr, he'll tell you that his life was not perfect. He was struggling, and I think part of his struggles, he wrote this prayer, but great prayer. Some of you may have it memorized. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. Next line. God, give me the courage to change the things I can. And then the last one, the last line. God, give me the wisdom to know the difference. I think that his prayer is far easier to recite than possibly live by. Why? I've got an answer. You don't have to jump up and shout your answer. Why is it possible to recite that prayer, but it's, it's harder to live by? I think part of it because most of us want life to unfold in accordance with our own wishes and our own timetables. I have stuff going on in my life right now that I didn't know was coming. I didn't know it was on the timetable. So I, that's part of it. We're there. We, we wrestle with some of that of the not knowing, the not understanding. And three things I add to that in the midst of all that is there's this thing called sin. Our own and others around us that sometimes just really mess things up because there's consequences. And the second thing is sometimes God has other plans. He, he already knew that our timetable might not be and our wishes might not be what we thought was coming down, the, coming down the train track. But he did, and he may have plans that are beyond our capability of really understanding. We just have to trust him. And then the third thing, I just remind you, in the midst of all of this, the things we cannot change, the courage to change what I can, and God, give me wisdom to know the difference. I just remind you, it's something you already know, but we live in a fallen world, and we do have an enemy. In this journey of ours, Satan does not want you to discover God's grace. Satan does not want you to discover the mercy of God, the loving kindness of Almighty God. He doesn't want that. In fact, we're told he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We're told in Revelation that he, he is the accuser Makes accusations against the, the saints. Day and night, he don't ever give up. So that's in the mix, too. 
things I cannot change. God, give me courage to change what I can, but please, God, give me some wisdom to know the difference. Franklin Graham said this about the devil. He said the devil keeps so many of us stuck in our weakness. The devil keeps so many of us stuck in our weakness. Satan reminds us of our past when we ought to remind him of his future, i.e., he doesn't have one. One of the things that fits nicely into the category of things that cannot change is the past. Yet even we, we know that the past is unchangeable, many of us continue to invest. I mean, we invest energy and worry about unfairness of yesterday when we should, through and by the power of God's mercy and God's grace, we must try to focus on the opportunities of today and the promises of tomorrow. My mother has had a tough year this year. She's going to get this recording. Hey, Mama. She sent me a devotion this week, and it was from Daily Bread. And uh, you may have read it. Some of you read Daily Bread. I know it. It opens up about Texas A&M football. Do you know if you know if you've watched on TV, if you, some of you could care less about football, but those of us who watch football in the stadium in Texas A&M, huge letters written around the stadium so everybody can read all the way around is a saying. Do you remember what it is? Home of the twelfth man. Home of the twelfth man. The devotion starts out with that, and it says the tradition traces its root back to 1922 when a coach called a student from the stands to suit up and be ready to place an injured player. That would be unheard of today. The player actually never went in as the story goes, but he was ready, and so that's where it sort of built on was that story of the 12th man. They're cheering everybody on. In the devotion, it makes reference to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, where it lists those who've been through some of these things we've been through and we reflect back. Every time we read, we think about their past and what they've been through and we read in there by faith, Noah, and by faith, Abraham, and by faith, Sarah, and by faith, Jacob, and by faith, Isaac, and we had our loved ones in there. A.D. Powell, my granddaddy, by faith, trusted God. I've seen his journey. and My grandmother Beck, keep on keeping on. She died in 2000. But I think back of the things that she encouraged me with and so the devotion said to we read there the heroes of the faith and we look at the great trials. They're listed in there for us to look at and to read. Great trials. But yet they remain loyal to God. And This is the opening line in Hebrews 12.1. I'm still in that devotion that Mama sent me. This is the verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let's throw that off, everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance. The race that is marked out for us. In other words, as it closed out the devotion, we're not alone on this journey of faith. The great saints and ordinary people who've been faithful to the Lord encourage us by their example that we have to look back at and also by their, their presence in heaven. Such a great cloud of witnesses in the devotion ends by saying that they are the spiritual twelfth man spiritual 12th woman and yet we're still down on the field we're still playing 
Dennis Swanberg said, don't let yesterday use up too much of today. I want to close by sharing with you from a book. I've quoted it before. I'll probably quote it again. Dr. Ellsworth Callis. He was a preaching professor at Asbury Seminary. I heard him preach on many occasions. He's just a gifted orator. He, he has a photographic memory. I can't do that. I need some notes. But he wrote a book, and I know I've shared it with you before. The title is worth the whole book. The title of the book that I'm about to read from, If Experience is Such a Good Teacher, Why Do I Keep Repeating the Same Course? Chapter 4 that I want to read to you is this. Regret is a humanizing teacher, but don't stay in the class too long. He goes on to say that regret can be a powerful and effective teacher, but it can also destroy its students. Someone said, regret is the most stupid feeling that one can possibly cherish. Say that again. Regret is the most stupid feeling that one can possibly cherish. It all depends, you see, on how you deal with the lessons that this teacher offers. To feel regret, Callis says, is one of the better human characteristics. If out of it comes repentance. True repentance mingled with God's grace helps us to face it. To confess that it exists and then pledge, our, pledge ourselves to change it and to move on. He goes on to say that, I pray, he said, I pray that I will never lose my capacity for regret. And I pray just as fervently that I will make my regret a productive factor. Regret is heaven's good gift, probably unique to us human creatures. Help us grow into better, more honorable, more expert human beings. But you let regret run amok, he said. Boy, regret can be fired with the power of hell. I don't think I would know how to handle regret if I didn't believe in the grace of God. Somebody say amen. I don't think I could. The grace not only to be forgiven, but also to be restored and made better. At the one extreme, I might try to harden myself against regret so that I would never feel its pain. But in that process, I would become less than human. At the other extreme, I might become so burdened with regret that I would come to despise myself. I said, I've had regret. I'm not going to name a bunch of them. I don't want you to know about them. But I've got them. But, but I don't have them. Grace is a powerful thing. I prayed over this this week, and I pray perhaps you're here this morning. Maybe you got some regrets that are controlling you. God does not want that to happen. God wants you to let go of that. Let the power of the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, has the power to let grace and mercy, and I like the Old Testament Hebrew word mercy, but it also can be translated the loving kindness of God. 
Many of us have tasted it. It's good. It cleanses within. If you've never tasted it, I highly recommend it. So this week, perhaps, you're one that can say, I have no regrets because you've let God's grace redeem you, restore you. Be thankful. Be thankful for that. But perhaps you're here this morning and the Lord's, maybe He's dealing with you about something that you're holding on to in the past that you, you cannot change. Maybe you regret that you hadn't let go of this. Let go of it. Let God have it. He can redeem you. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for restoring us, for redeeming us of our past, of our regrets, of our sinfulness. God, I, I pray you speak to our hearts right now. If someone needs to respond, God, give them the freedom to do so, whether it's in the pew or if they need to come to the altar. Holy Spirit, you do the work that only you can do in the human heart. We just open ourselves up to you. We bless you and praise you this day. Thank you, God, for your word. Bless now as we sing together, as we worship you together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. This altar is always open. If you have a need of any kind, may not have anything to do.